Um, well, I have too much to say, and I hardly know how to begin. And as you saw in the last talk, how how I should end. Um, this uh, next uh, burden or subject concerning Hannah <clears throat> really ought to be developed into an entire conference. Uh, and may I say, not just to sisters, but to brothers as well. <clears throat> uh, you can see here, in if you have an outline, it says patterns and examples of women in the Old Testament. Number eight, Hannah. Well, by implication, there are other uh, outlines on other women. Well, you guessed right. Uh, I have actually developed <clears throat> 48 lessons for sisters. And uh, sorry, it's not published. I just uh, use these outlines to um, give messages when there are opportunities. And But because in recent days, uh, the burden of prayer, or even more than that, intercessory prayer, uh, is so prominent and so so strong, I feel just to jump to or select this particular lesson uh, as a base, as a, as a uh, uh, means to fellowship with you today concerning prayer. <clears throat> um, um, again, uh, I will not just necessarily go through the outline, you know, <clears throat> in a sequential way. I may. I depends how the the spirit will lead. Uh, but sure surely my burden are all um kind of a uh uh in here. They're all you know embedded in the outline. And so I say again um to to all of you who are listening that my speaking is only fifty percent. I charge you uh, if you are really serious before the Lord, you would by yourself and better yet with a few other sisters come together to uh, review and digest uh, these outlines with the reference verses. They're very, very rich. And um, of course, with this, I don't know whether you're given some ministry uh, tied to these outlines or not, but we can surely supply that as a complementary material and uh and more than anything really bring these things to prayer i if you really got the burden i would not be surprised that one of these outlines or the burden therein would uh, easily occupy you um s- several weeks a month because these are not just some points uh, of truth. Uh, these are um, timely and uh, uh, I would even say desperate um, um, situation that we're in. And the I believe this this these burdens are not from me but from the Lord um, for the sisters in particular, 
but without going back to them and really dwell, lingering in the Lord's, before the Lord's face with this word, praying and reflecting, indeed musing and considering them, uh, it will pass away. It'll just be water of duck's back after today, tomorrow you have forgotten about it. And um, that would be very, very unfortunate. Um, my burden is really, the Lord only knows how much for the sisters, and not just in DFW, but um, in all of the Lord's recovery, all the women of God, all the uh, female brothers, right? As Brother Lee called them, because of how essential their role and their function is in God's economy. And so um, um, now last in the last talk uh, um, concerning the godly family for um, the church life, uh, I meant the physical families, the biological families, your family, my family, all the families um, uh, uh, in the Lord. And um, the father is the father of all the families in heaven and earth. And so that family unit ordained by him is decisive, strategic, pivotal it, to God as far as his uh, plan and intention is concerned. Uh, we have to sooner or later connect, make that connection that it is not just about me getting married to this brother and having some children and so on, but you must make that connection between your marriage and your family to God and to his economy in a very direct way. Now, I'm not here to be super spiritual, you know, I'm, I'm not like that. I'm very practical. But this is also not only spiritual. This is actually exceedingly practical in a holy sense, not in a common sense. So how would you make that connection? Well, you need to get into the, these words. You need to receive this ministry. And all these outlines and things are based on the speaking of the ministers of the age, um, uh, so balanced, uh, so thought through, so um, so uh, applicational, so practical. I mean, just by the way, these uh, days, because of the unrest, social unrest and all that happening around us, I be, I'm beginning to speak, especially to the young people about this whole matter uh, concerning um, um, righteousness and social justice and uh, equality and reform and all these things that are the all the um, 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 uh, things that are taking place around us. And what is a Christian attitude towards this? What is the church's position in all of this? Many young people don't know. So all you have is the media to the left and the social media to the right. And you know what you get from those two. 
you'll be just easily swept along and swept away by what people, your peers, your friends, your acquaintances tell you. There's a lot of pressure, a lot of pressure in how, you know, you need to make a declaration, you need to take a stand. But do you know what is in God's mind? Do you know what the Lord has, uh, I mean, the word has spoken about this? If you, if not, you do not know what to do. You may do the popular thing. You may do what you think is the noble thing to do. Now, I don't question intention. I don't question your motive. But I question your knowledge. And I question your insight. We are not of this world. The Lord say, my kingdom is not of this earth. That's a famous line he gave to Pilate. Uh, the governor of uh, of uh, Judea, when he was being um, uh, interrogated, uh, be, you know, before by the Jewish Sanhedrin and then sent to the secular government. He was checking him out. He said, are you really this uh, king of the Jew of Israel? Uh, look, uh, look what's uh, happening, etc. The Lord says, my kingdom is not of this earth. Brothers and sisters, we are of a different kingdom. We are citizens of the heavenly kingdom. We, Yes, we are uh, citizens of the United States, and that comes with privileges and responsibilities that we wish ought to fulfill. But as uh, citizens of the heavenly kingdom, how should we conduct ourselves? How should we view things? What is the biblical view about all these matters? And thankfully, we do have some very solid uh, ministry on the matter, truth-based and extremely balanced and very, very up-to-date. So um, I just say that as an example. What I'm speaking to you nowadays is in that order. That means it is timely, present, and needful. I look to the Lord. I'm so burdened for another generation of saints, what we loosely call the millennials, and Generation Z, the one after the millennials that are coming up. I'm the most burdened for them. I'm not. That doesn't mean I'm not burdened for the middle-aged and older saints. Hardly, hardly. Um, we we need them so much. And talk about Deuteronomy, the ones who were in uh, who crossed the Red Sea, who saw the plagues, who uh, ate the manna, who drained the water from the rock, and so on, and all the uh, doings of God in the wilderness, they saw them. And yet this generation, that generation, was going to pass away, as God has promised, because of the evil and unbelief they had. And so it was up to the next generation, except for two persons, Am I right? Um, that would be um, uh, Joshua and Caleb. Not even Moses would enter into the promised land. But their experiences, however, though they were strewn in the wilderness, their experiences and their learning was not to be given up. And so they are charged to speak this, to repeat this, to their next generation and the generation after that. Why? Because this is how things are passed on. 
This is how the word, this is how God is passed on, if I may. And God's way of salvation is passed on, of life, excuse me, of three things, redemption, life, and building. This is how God's way of salvation, this is how God would do with man. Uh, in order to fulfill his purpose, to gain his testimony, to gain uh, the entity, to gain the people that he's after, to gain the kind that he's after that will express him and represent him in this universe and so uh, on the earth. So, uh, dear sisters, um, um, this is... uh, uh, Timely, And so the weight of this burden is extremely heavy. This is not lightweight, you know, a weekend conference with sisters to say something to make them happy. I know how to do that. But no, sisters, please, you need to get beyond this. This is serious, serious business. Life and death and has everything to do with the condition of the Lord's recovery today. Our next gen for sure. And also with the Lord's move, the Lord's move in these times. Indeed, these are times of the beginning of the birth pangs. You know, the birth pangs, you know, is something, you know, in childbirth. Uh, what are birth pangs? Birth pangs are the pain and the uh, uh, before, close to the delivery of the child, where the frequency and intensity increases. So what we're seeing here is not like it has never happened before or that it will never happen again. But we see, observe, witness today with our eyes the frequency and intensity of these things. Uh, Health crisis, economic turmoil, social unrest. It's like the enemy is throwing the kitchen sink at this world and causing all this all these things, um, uh, upheaval, and the confluence of all of this, as you can imagine, is something very, very serious and very, very upsetting. Now, do we have a view of what God is doing, the secret God, uh, the God who hides in secret, the, the unseen and invisible one? What is he doing? What does he want, sisters? Do you think about that? Or are we just here bidding out time, sitting at home until the, 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 the lockdown is lifted and we'll be back to normal. Is that what you're thinking? Sisters, we cannot do this with so such things happening. The, 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 uh, uh, the last time that I, have some, to, that I experienced something cl- close to this was in the 60s, 50 years ago. That tumultuous, tumultuous, Decade of the 60s, beginning with assassinations of leaders of this country and then ending up with war. And that is right in the middle of what we call Cold War. And there was actually a hot war called Vietnam War going on. And then you have the anti-establishment establishment forces that divides generation. You have the anti-war movement. You have the counterculture. You have the the beginning of the moral, uh, 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 gross moral decline. You have the drug um, uh, scene. All that would change USA forever. And this actually has been going on. These forces, these uh, uh, 
things uh, in, in society, but now it's like the intensity of it. Um, brothers and sisters, what are we to do? So I'm giving you these talks with that almost as a backdrop. What are we to do? What shall we do after this health crisis? But look, the economic crisis is more than looming in front of us. What will happen then? Look at all the uh, 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 racial tension that will not go away. All the things, all the things. I mean, it is not too much to describe. We're in a time of lawlessness. If God is not restraining that mystery of lawlessness, who knows what will happen today? A time of extreme immorality, a time of violence, a time of unhealable divisions and um, of uh, conflict or, or disorder in homes, in families, in communities, in nations, between peoples, between races. Brothers and sisters, I'm not here as a doomsayer. I'm not here uh, just, uh, you know, talk like this in a negative way. But I'm trying to impress you, sisters, even as sisters. You're not brothers. You're not leading the churches. You're not co-workers. But you need to know. You need to have the burden to see. You know, Issachar, one of Judah's, uh, one of the Israel, um, it says uh, about their mighty men that they are those who know, who knew the times, who knew the times that they were in, and therefore would know what Israel ought to do. I hope, sisters, that you would all have some impression of this. And then you have to then do your part as um, sisters, as the females. And I don't need to hear uh, repeat how important sisters are. Brother Lee say the building up of a local church depends two-thirds on sisters and one-third of brothers. I don't think he said that just to butter up the sisters. I don't think he said that just to get the sisters' attention. I happen to believe that. And I've been in the church life. I serve for many decades. I would say the same thing. But this is not to uplift the sisters or, or, or you know, to just balance things out. No, sisters, we say all these things based on the word of God, not on the pre- prevalent philosophies, not on on those things that are taught to you on, camp- on the college campuses or in our educational system today. The word of God, the word of God. So here we are. Um, um, yes, the burden is very much on prayer these days. We have 60 days of prayer, that global 24-hour prayer. And then we extended it for another 60 days. We did that, and that ended on uh, in the, at the end of May. And uh, the co-workers uh, in North America has decided that we must continue 
Um, I'm in fellowship with the uh, co-workers in Taiwan. They told me that after those 60 days they feel in Taiwan, the churches and the saints cannot discontinue that watchman prayer. They're going to continue, they said, until the Lord comes. I was so touched and inspired. So here in North America, in the U.S., we're going to do that. We will have a another website called beseeching.org where we will um, um, give you the prayer burdens, daily prayer burdens with complimentary ministry on a daily basis. There will be no sign-up of prayer slots. But we cannot go back, brothers and sisters or sisters, we cannot go back to the same. There's no normal to go back to. As they say, there's a new normal. What is that? I'm seeking the Lord day and night myself in prayer. I'm seeking the Lord. After, even after we, if we, all we do is pick up how to meet by Zoom, we waste at this time. Zoom will be here to stay, go to meeting. I'm not against that. I'm for technology. But is that all that the Lord wants the churches to do? There's much more. What about his purpose? What about his economy? What about his move on the earth today? What does he want from the church? What does he want from us? So I like to even, uh, I like to say even this talk today, hopefully will give us some light, would shed some light and give us some light on the pathway that we should follow. Um, Hereafter. So, sisters, we're going to talk about Hannah. So, again, I'm not going to go point by point here, although this is a marvelously rich outline. You must get in there and spend spend a month on it with some sisters. Pray over it. Pray through it. Pray with it. Seek to become today's Hannah above all else. And today, the Lord's recovery need Hannah's, both brothers and sisters. Me too. I long, I aspire to be a Hannah today. And you know what I mean after this talk. We will talk about Hannah's prayer, but because that's the most prominent thing, I suppose. But it's not just the prayer. It's Hannah, this lady, this woman. <clears throat> who who was she? Um, what motivated her? What was her experience? Um, how did God use her? Why did God use her? What's the resulting consequence of his min- her ministry? If I may borrow that word, her her work in the grand scheme of things, meaning what God was doing in those days on the earth, what God's economy was in those times. That's why this needs a whole conference. So I'm going to just pick some, highlight some points to at least whet your appetite to pursue this matter and to be inspired 
like I am inspired. So collectively, the Lord be merciful to us in the recovery. There will be many, many Hannahs. I don't mean everything, but there will be many Hannahs. And there will be a corporate Hannah as well, praying this kind of prayer and ministering and uh, serving in the same way. Um, Let's first start talking about God's need at that time to provide context. Here you have the children of Israel having entered into the land and still fighting to dispossess the the, um, the local uh, nations and and uh, and and people, and to possess the land, to take the land, and this land, of course, is so that they can not only settle there, um, and but they will become a nation there. They would they would build up they would um, uh, build up a, um, God's dwelling place there, and also they would have. Uh, build up God's kingdom there, right? Uh, although all these are earthly, with God's earthly people, um, with the Israel race, that was what God was doing. Of course, all that is a full type of the ex- uh, pointing to the Christian church today, our experiences today. But they were uh, in a stage, in a very abnormal stage, a degraded state, a corrupt and weakened stage, and that would be the stage and era of the judges. And you read the book of Judges, all right? They were God's people. They were there uh, warring and fighting, doing what God uh, wants them to do. But their condition was degraded. Their condition was not normal. And so they were going up and down. And so God set up judges among them, including a lady judge called Deborah, by the way. And you have Samson and others to what? To uh, lead them, to fight for them. Uh, so when they have judges, they were doing okay. But when they don't have the judges, they go down again. So their, their condition is like this. This is, is, was Israel's condition, up and down, up and down, up and down. Kind of like today's Christians, revive and then fall again, you know. They forsake God again, then someone let them up again, they go down again. That was their history. That is an abnormal situation of the judges. And at that time, not only they have only God set up the judges to uh, lead them, the Aaronic priesthood that God has set up uh, through Moses was in a constant decline. By the time of Hannah, it has gone to become the Aaronic priesthood was still there under Eli and his sons, but it was corrupted, it was defiled, it was weak, it was stale, it was decrepit, it was near death. So that is the condition. That was the poor, poor condition, a state of poverty, a state of weakness, a state of defeat, a state of abnormality of God's people. 
And where is God's kingdom? Where is God's dwelling place? Where is God's expression? Where is God's authority in that land? So God has a need. This cannot continue. God has a need. And the back, this is the background of the story of Samuel or of Hannah. In that situation, in that situation, just remember in all the de- degraded situation, the principle is God would still call. God would still preserve. God would still need some, not a lot, but a few, a small number of his people to, as we said in the er- earlier talk, to maintain and preserve and to sustain this line, this particular line of God, this line of redemption, this line of life, this line of building. All this, listen, is a line eventually that would lead to the coming of Jesus Christ the first time. And Satan's work is to what? Is to discontinue this line. Is to rip apart this line. Is to not allow that to happen. God's enemy. And so there's a war. There's a battle. And in this degraded, just like in New Testament, in Revelation 2 and 3, it was a story of the seven churches, which is the entire church age. You know that most of the, that, that story was defeat and desolation and degradation. But in, at the end of every epistle, which actually all seven epistles is actually one epistle, it says, those who have an ear, let him hear. He who overcomes, he who overcomes, God's principle is always to call the overcomers. When at large his people failed and are defeated, and that is the history of God's people on the earth from the beginning. From the beginning, there are actually three races, three races from Adam, starting with Adam. Number one, the Adamic race. We all know that. Adamic race failed miserably. That's why you have the flood. God wants to wipe away the whole earth. It was so bad, so evil. Look, even the angels came and illegally married the humans to produce these mixed Nephilim, strange creatures. This is against God's law. Well, there are too much I want to talk about. The violence, the lawlessness. So God, but God cannot give up. He made man for himself, for his purpose. So he has to raise up another race, the call race of Abraham. Abraham. Actually, it's the Abrahamic race actually are two 
sub-races in sequence or in parallel. Number one, his earthly descendants. That's the race of Israel. And the second, his heavenly descendants that eventually came out of Christ. And that would be what? That would be the church, the New Testament believers. Do you know our father, common father, with the Jews is Abraham? Except they are the earthly descendants. We are the heavenlies. They are like the sand in the sea, seashore. We are like the stars in the heavens. This is the Bible. But both races fail. Israel failed. And the church failed. Now, let me tell you, God needs a fourth race. Fourth race. That race is the race of the overcomers. This is God's principle. Today, even the church cannot fulfill God's purpose. It has not done so for 2,000 years. But during that whole time, God would raise up some small number, a remnant in the principle of overcomers to stand in the right position, to stand to represent the church before God and in front of God's enemy. And because of this, God would able to fulfill his purpose. The body can be built in reality. The bride can be prepared. And the army, God's warrior, can fight. Can fight. I told some saints, some young saints, you know, this prayer that Hannah prayed, he said, O Jehovah of hosts. That's Most people don't think anything about that title. I'll tell you. That title translated today is, O Lord of armies. O Lord of the armies. Hannah realized there's a fight going on. He didn't just pray, say, O Lord, O Jehovah. He prayed, Lord of the armies. The battle is not over. The kingdom is not come. The will is not done. Yet, the fight is still on. O Lord of the armies, he prayed like this. She prayed like this. That is very particular. Now, now, against this kind of backdrop, God needs some, and God needs a special way to fulfill his purpose. What does he need? He always needs a man. And of course, today, when we say a man, we mean this corporately. But it also means singly. Singly. How God has moved in the Old Testament and the New. He called even single individual men in different ages to rise up, to speak for him, to minister, to pray. To work, to stand in the position of an overcomer. At that time, this was the need. 
God needs to turn an age from abnormality of the judges to what? To a kingdom, the kingdom of Israel. These judges, that's not normal. God needs a kingdom where he himself ultimately is the king, but he would have a earthly representative king who would build the city and build the house on the earth, a dwelling place for himself, his resting place, his satisfaction, and a place, a realm where he can rule over his people. And of course, all of this eventually is to point to the time when his son can come, Christ, the first time. To usher in the New Testament age and all that that age entails. And even further than that, to the point of the age of the kingdom, where Christ will come the second time to establish his rule on this earth. And of course, eventually, after that kingdom age, there will be the consummation of God's purpose to gain what he wanted on this earth and in this universe. And that is the new Jerusalem. So, dear sisters, these are not fairy tales. These are not Bible stories. Either you believe it or you don't. In this situation, God, the wise God, the only wise God, he has his way. There's this woman called Hannah. And he is... He shares a husband with another woman. That woman's name, her her name was Peninnah, Peninnah. And had a husband, the husband is Elkanah. Elkanah was what I would call a godly man. And Hannah clearly, clearly was a godly woman. But the thing was, Peninnah has a bunch of kids. Whereas, sovereignly, Hannah has nothing, barren, childless, which is a shame, which is a real reproach. And so, in Peninnah, she had an opponent. She had someone who is daily despising her. Uh, The scorn, the ridicule, the um, um, affliction, the suffering that Hannah would go through, only someone in her place would know. And she is so, so, uh, she was afflicted. She was suffering for from not having children. You know, not having children is a, suffering, and she would all the time be weeping and sorrowful and depressed and so on, and husbands say, 
why, why, why are you this? Well, I don't have children. Well, you, you have me, you know, better than any children you can have. But she was just, she was just uh, all the time provoked by her rival. She could hardly take this. She was, she was really, really suffering. Let me tell you, sisters, God allowed that. God sovereignly planned that environment for the, such suffering to happen to this godly woman. That penana probably is not as godly. I don't know. I don't think so. You see, but she is having it good. You know, she has children and all the, all the things. But this one is pressed within, so pressed, so pressed that he has to go to the tabernacle and pray and pray. Um, you know, this is one of the the, 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 you know, the times that they would, um, you know, go up to, Shiloh, and so on and so forth. And um, at the doorpost of this, uh, of the tabernacle there, um, she wept and she prayed bitterly, bitterly to Jehovah. I want even you sisters to remember this point, that she was suffering. She was suffering. And that suffering motivated her, compelled her to pray in a very desperate and particular way. It says she prayed to Jehovah and wept, wept. And she made a vow and said, O Jehovah of hosts, if you indeed look upon the affliction of your female servant, she called herself Jehovah's female servant. That's her view. She was serving Jehovah. She was a servant of Jehovah. And remember me and not forget your female servant, but give to your female servant a male child. She was very definite. A male child. That means a man-child, a man-child, the strong one. Then I will give him to Jehovah for all the days of his life, and no razor will come upon his head. Or his head. That means the man-child's head. And she just keep praying in this kind of a way. You know, I said something earlier in the last session that. This prayer actually is more than just a prayer. It is a prayer, but this prayer is actually a vow. You know, there are many kinds of prayer, many kinds of prayer. And if you have the experience, you would sometimes in a prayer make a vow to the Lord, make a vow to the Lord. And when you do that, that becomes something very serious. All genuine times of prayer with God are transactional, not only conversational, 
They are conversational, but they're transactional. When you touch God, that's how it is. He begins to deal with you, and you begin to deal with him. If it is just some common things, common prayer, common needs, common petition, that's one thing. We're talking about something life and death here, aren't we? We're talking about a woman who is reproached by her barrenness. Although she didn't know everything. But listen, later on you will find out that by the uh, the uh, the uh, uh, um, song or the, the, the praise that she gave to Jehovah after, you know, Samuel was born, This is a woman of the word of God. She knew the word of God, kind of like Eunice with Timothy. From a babe, you know the scriptures from who? From the mother, from the grandma. And this is Hannah. This is Hannah. Hannah's not not just some woman, you know. Hannah is a godly woman who knew the word of God, who served God, who went up with a husband's Uh, her husband, to the feast as prescribed and ordained by God. She loved God. And God does not just pick up anybody. God pick up this particular lady because of this. And she would pray this kind of desperate prayer with a vow. I mean, it, you, you you have to be pretty desperate or pretty bold, audacious to, you know, Lord, like making a deal. You give me a man child, I'm going to lend him to you. Well, you give me first and I'll give him back to you. That is a, 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 a desperate, desperate situation. And she may not know it. Maybe she didn't know a little bit. Do you think she has no eyes to see that? failed and degraded priesthood with Eli and all that. They still have the respect of the people because by then they're still functioning as priests. But in reality, they have lost the, they have lost the reality of the priesthood. You don't think she saw that? You don't think she knew what's going on in Israel with the judges, with that situation, with the enemies at the door, the nations? I believe that she was inspired by the Spirit, inspired by God to pray that way, but having certain kind of knowledge. that You know what he's saying? She knew the Nazarite ordinance. She must know it. Why would she say there will be no razor on his head? She knew it. She read the book of Numbers, that there is such an ordination by God. For a male amongst Israel who does not, who is not born in the Aaron household to have a way in through the side door if he vows such a Nazarite vow. You see, she knew that and that's why she prayed this way. My goodness, you know, I don't know, sisters, you pray, but how do you pray? Do you know, you know, we need sisters who know the word, who know God's will, who know God's need, present need. To pray in a way that will align with that need. To really express something to God of what God wants. 
a prayer that will be answered. And the prayer here is spot on. Give me a man child, not just a child, a man child, and I will lend him to you because Jehovah of armies, you have a need. I know you have a need. And I'm going to ask you to give me this child. I will bear it for you and I'll give him back to you for your use. What kind of prayer is this? This is not a prayer that any sister can pray or any brother can pray. This is a prayer of Hannah. Would we be those Hannahs today, sisters? Because we know the story. Eli say, are you drunk? And, you know, you know those kind of things. And so she expressed that to him and so on. And um, she he comforted him and so on. And, of course, you know the rest of the story. She bore a child, Samuel. Sisters, the here we like I like to follow Brother Watchman Yi and use this word in a very careful way, and that is the word ministry. She he Brother Ni had a uh, message at least one message called the ministry of Hannah or Hannah's ministry. When I first heard it, I said Hannah's prayer, okay, but Hannah's ministry. What ministry is that? But I read that, reread that, and I realized, my, Brother Nee was then making a contrast between Penana and, and uh, Hannah. Penana had, is a picture of a certain kind of ministry, you know, her opponent, uh, her rival, right? But Hannah had a different ministry. And he said, both of these are Christians, you know, in their type of the Lord's believers today. Some would have the Penana ministry. They have people, they give birth, they they have numbers, they 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 have all of that, quote quote blessings. But some don't seem to have that. And so they're persecuted, they're scorned, they're ridiculed, they are afflicted. And that's suffering, because, and the, but they have the word. They know what God's need is. And that kind of suffering, that kind of reproach, caused them to pray and work and serve and minister in a certain way, as Hannah did. I don't know, dear sisters, when you pray, how you pray. There are times when I pray, it was with great bitterness of heart, not over myself, not over, you know, my situation, but bitterness in the way, Lord, how come your recovery is so small? How come it seems not much is happening? How come everywhere we turn, people blockade us, you know, those evil books and many other things. Bitterness, there's a kind of bitterness. How long, Lord? Where are you, Lord? Are you still in your recovery? What are you doing? You you know what I mean. 
there there is that kind of sense. And when you have that sense, you pray in a particularly desperate way for a man child. The Lord only knows the Lord covers me these days. My prayer, I have many prayers, but my main prayer these days is for overcomers. For overcomers in the Lord's recovery. Maybe even without that, I do not know. But within the Lord's recovery, overcomers, overcomers. That will bring in the kingdom. And so there are these two ministries. One with Penana is good. There's a there's a showing, there's a blessing. The other, through prayer and hard labor and suffering that produced that ministry, brought forth only one child. Because later on, they have some other children. But at that time, only one child, one Samuel, one male. But this one man-child, listen, changed the age. This one man-child turned that whole Israel from the age of judgeship to the age of kingship. From the age, the abnormal age of judges, ruled by judges, and a decrepit and fallen priesthood. A mess. A failed and desolate condition of God's people. Into what? Into a kingdom. Brought in David, the king that God is after one of the ancestors, main ancestors of Christ. Besides Abraham, it's David. The seed of Abraham, the seed of David. That there would be a kingdom in that promised land. There will be a temple built. God's kingdom, God's expression was there. And that's what God wanted at that time. Hannah's prayer was an age-turning prayer. Hannah prayed for a man-child, much like Revelation 12. Remember that? The old dragon was waiting, not to devour the woman, but to devour the woman, the the man-child that was going to be born from that woman, because that man-child is going to means that he is going to be cast down. And that the birth of that man-child means the coming of the kingdom of Christ. Just one man-child. Here's just one Samuel. And this Samuel that he, she eventually begot holds Five, at least five statuses, key strategic statuses to fulfill his ministry of this age-turning ministry. 
to bring in the kingdom of God at the time. Number one, he was a judge, the last of all the judges. Number two, he was a priest. He was not part of Aaron's household, but he became the priest to take over Eli. Number three, he was a prophet. You may say Moses was a prophet and so on. Samuel is one of the greatest prophets. In the Old Testament, uh, Moses and Samuel are frequently mentioned together as the key men. And number four, he was a intercessor. He said, it is a sin for me not to pray for Israel. He, he prayed for Israel all the time. He was an intercessor. He, this man occupied at least these statuses. He turned the page. He turned the age of Israel in a strategic, in a pivotal way, according to God's economy. And all that came about from one woman. From one woman's ministry, if you will. So, sisters, yes, I'm talking about prayer, Hannah's prayer. But more than that, I'm talking about Hannah's ministry. Now, listen, after the child was born, well, first of all, her prayer, her prayer, her vow was actually a Nazarite vow. She made the Nazarite vow on behalf of an unborn or yet-to-conceive boy. As I said, Samuel had no choice. She committed him, consecrated him, gave him to Jehovah for the rest of his life. My, my. Dear sisters, you know, whatever the Lord gives to you is not for you. It's for himself. You know, when I think of this, I think of <clears throat> parents again. Are we here to beget children to make sure they get the best education? They should. So they can go to Harvard, they can go to Stanford, they can go wherever, they can have, be the top in their profession, they become famous. Is that the inheritance of Jehovah that we receive? I'm not saying... They should not get education. They shouldn't do their best and uh, their potential and all of this, humanly speaking. But here is one case. Jehovah answered her prayer for himself. What if Hannah say, okay, sorry, Lord, thank you. Go, Go find someone else to find your man, you know. She has no children, and she's given one, and she gave it back. What kind of craziness is this? What, what, what is what she thinking? If she was not godly, if she's not for God in every way, you think she would do it? She'd been suffering her, her whole marital life for lack of children, and now she had one, and now she's going to give it back away. What what faith is this? 
Her heart is fully for the Lord, for God's need, according to what she saw in those times and according to God's word. So she gave her child, not just kind of back to the Lord. She consecrated her child vow, the Nazarite vow. Not just an ordinary child offered to God. She gave a Nazarite to God. God needs a Nazarite. Sisters, God needs Nazarites today in his recovery. And why will we not raise up our children to be godly, to love the Lord, to follow the Lord, to give up the world, to serve him, to go to the full-time training? Why not? Well, why not? Because we don't see this. We don't see this, or we don't internalize this. But that's what Hannah's ministry was about. Not just to beget. Not, this is not just a begetting ministry. This is a age-turning ministry. It is a Nazarite building ministry. In other words, her prayer was for an overcomer. And her ministry is to produce an overcomer. So you see, after Samuel was born, she kept her word. Until she weaned her, she took care of her, she fostered him, she fostered him, she, she took care of him. She was doing all that for God. Right? She was doing that for God. God needs this Samuel. And someone has to raise raise this child up. You know, she she taught her math, she taught her language, she taught her whatever. You know what I'm trying to say? She did all of this not so that she Samuel can 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 uh, can go to Harvard. She did all that so Samuel would be that Nazarite used by God at that time to change the age. Mothers, why are you raising up your children? Why? Ultimately, I, I know there are many reasons. And again, I'm not here bashing education. I'm, I'm not trying to turn us all into some Amish people that, you know, buggies and whatever, uh, whatever. No, no, please understand. But today, what is God's need? And where will God find his Samuel, his people to bring in his kingdom today on the earth? It's not just if more COVID-19 happens, then the end is near, the Lord will come. No, where are the age turners? Where are the Nazarites of the day? Where are the overcomers that will bring the Lord back? If I don't see the Lord coming back physically, I wish I can. If I don't, I wish I will have begotten many overcomers who will. So indirectly, I have a share in bringing the Lord's, bringing the Lord back to establishing his kingdom. You see, it all depends on your view, on your view. And it's about time in the recovery. We have such a view, the sisters. 
And so she, 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 she did that. And she was raising up a little Nazarite, never shorning his, his hair and making sure the right diet and all of this, all the Nazarite things. And then taught him for sure as a babe, the word, the scriptures, as much as he could learn. I don't know what she did, but cultivating, nurturing a Nazarite. And at the right time, she fulfilled her promise and brought him to the training place, you know, to under Eli, to learn how to be a priest. And he was trained under Eli how to serve as God's priest. And there he learned to listen to Jehovah's word. He learned to pray. He learned to serve God's people. He learned to rule. You know, in those days, the priests are still the ones who have supposedly have the word of God. <clears throat> Eli still have some. And you remember God calling him, you know, and he didn't know. He thought he was Eli. Eventually, he realized, Eli told him, it's Jehovah trying to talk to you. He was a man who had God's word, and that made him a prophet. So, dear sisters, I think you get the story here. The story here. And then it says, even after uh, 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 Samuel lived in uh, Shiloh and so on, um, learning there, being mentored there, she, it, it says she still, uh, I don't, I don't know exactly. She still make little cl- clothing, ephod for him, his little boy to wear and so on and so forth. She did her mother's job. Practically, she, she, she did her job, but all with a view. So I come back to godly family. We need sisters to do our job, to raise up our children properly, but with a view, with a view to meeting that they would meet God's need. They are not yours. They are not mine. They came from God. Our work is as a steward to prepare them, to raise them up, to foster them so that they can be used by God for his purpose. And so Hannah uh, did this. And let me see here in this uh, outline that, that, that we have. Uh, <clears throat> well, you can get into them. I, I think uh, so many of these points uh, about um, um, this God-seeking mother with her prayer um, uh, and how her prayer eventually is an echo of God's really heart's desire. He, he found a woman to pray. And her prayer, this Brother Lee's words, was a human cooperation with the divine move for the carrying out of God's eternal economy. Now, sisters, 
on this matter of prayer, you have to realize that God has a desire. God has a plan even. God is almighty. He can work everything out. But, but, in the principle of incarnation, he needs men to pray. We've been speaking a lot about these things in these last few months. He needs someone on earth to echo his heart. What she prayed, you know, what Hannah prayed, was exactly, exactly what God wants to, to do. Exactly. You think those that prayer will not be answered? It's already pre-answered. Pre-answered. Because it is a speaking of God's heart. Sisters, learn to pray this kind of prayer. You want to be a Hannah? Learn to pray this kind of prayer. Not just, I have a need. I need this. I need that. But even you may pray about your need. But that even that need, that human need that you're praying for, eventually touches the divine purpose. Touches the divine desire. And that's what she did. He said, Lord, I need a son. Well, for sure, to put away her reproach. But in the end, in the end, she actually cooperated with God. Actually, the Lord is as if saying, Hannah, I need a Samuel. I need an overcomer. You are saying, Lord, I need a son. I am saying, actually, I need an overcomer. The same prayer. Sisters, learn to pray this prayer. When you come together, I hope these days more sisters are praying. I don't know these lockdown days what you're doing. I know you may have children. You're more busy than ever. I I don't know. But dear sisters, you must acquire the burden to pray the Hannah prayer, to fulfill the Hannah ministry. This is broader than just physical and biological children, which I emphasized in the last session. This is all of God's family, all of God's children. The Lord may use you to be a Hannah, a spiritual mother, right? To someone who is not your biological child, but would be your spiritual child like Timothy was to Paul. Without Paul, there would be no Timothy. But without Eunice, right, and Lewis, there would be no Timothy either. There's different, they say it takes a village, right, to raise a child. This is true. This is true. So in the church life, pick up the burden for the young people. Pick up the burden for the children. Pick up the burden for specific, some junior hires and high schoolers. They may be small, like Samuel, little. But who knows what they will grow up to be? To a man who turned the age. How do you know? But it depends on your burden. It depends on your prayer. It depends on your care. We need lots of such Hannah in the church life today. Sisters, I say, uh, you know, don't spend too much time gossiping, talking, and doing all these kind of things. 
be occupied with God and His need and His move today. I hope you are inspired in this way. This age need to change. You all know that it's confused and um, tumultuous. Age has to close. But where is the body? Where is the bride? And where is that army? We need to produce them. We need to pray, and we need to labor and serve to produce such. I look to the Lord. All the local churches in all the nations and continents on the earth. We will. There will be a corporate Hannah in existence. There will be many little Hannahs, brothers and sisters, that will rise up. But I'm speaking to sisters in particular that would really, really acquire this specific ministry. To bring in the king and his kingdom. Or else it will not happen. God needs that today. May he put his heart into ours so that we would pray his prayer to meet his need today. Now, of course, to do that, we need to be one with Christ. We need to be one with God, who is embodied in Christ. We need to be one with the Lord. And actually, there's nothing that will help us to be one with him like prayer. You know, that song we just sang, I don't know, 762, how many know that song. I know it talk about telephone, telegraph. It, it's kind of dated. But 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 pay attention to those words. Those words. Very poetic, very lyrical, but very, really come from a person who has some experience in intercession, in prayer. Sisters, we need more sisters like this in the church life. I wish... In every church, the sisters will come together in twos and threes or more to just pray, not to talk, not to opine, not to gossip, not to be the information desk or whatever, but really to pray for this, for the Lord's recovery, for the need of an overcoming part in the Lord's recovery, for the Zion in Jerusalem, for the young generation especially that is coming up. Okay, I think um, I, I, I think my burden is discharged. I, you, you please go back to this outline and, 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 and review and pray over that. I stopped a little earlier, uh, a brother, and uh, but as long as the burden is released for this time, I'm, I'm okay. I'm okay. Let's have a word of prayer. Amen.
oh God, we pray, we bow ourselves and we prostrate ourselves, we humble ourselves before the throne at your presence. How we pray, even with an amount of bitterness, but with much desperation, that in these days, because of your yet unfulfilled purpose uh, and your yet unsatisfied need, that you would have mercy on your recovery, that so many sisters especially would find grace in your eyes, that they would, at the throne of grace, find grace and receive mercy for this timely need. It seems we're talking about our need, but Lord, you know, indirectly, we're still talking about your need. Your need to end this age. Your need to return. Your need to bring your kingdom to the earth. Your need to do, to bring the heavenly will to the earth. Lord Jesus, we pray for your namesake. Do this. May these words that we have spoken, oh, not fall to the ground. We pray that your hand will follow your word. Truly, your spirit will continue to enlighten the sisters as they go over these things. Lord, bless all the families. Bless all the marriages in your recovery for your own namesake. Lord Jesus, Raise up godly families, raise up holy marriages, and raise up the Hannah ministry in our midst. Lord, your kingdom come. Your name be sanctified. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Amen.